from the Midwest United States Premier Performing Arts Center, welcome to the latest edition of Mansion Magic, bringing you a behind-the-scenes look at all of the new productions and concert events coming to the Mansion Theater for the Performing Arts right here in beautiful Branson, Missouri. Well, it's time to raise the curtain and see what's up on Mansion Magic. Well, here we are, another edition of Mansion Magic, and I got to tell you, I know I sound like a little kid, but I'm excited because, and I am superiorly honored uh, to welcome a very, very special guest uh, to the podcast today, a, a singer, iconic songwriter, producer, music executive, actor, whose career has spanned over 60 years and still going strong, and he's coming here to the Mansion Theater for the Performing Arts one night only on November 6th at 8 p.m. Would you please welcome the incredible Tony Orlando. Tony, how are oh, you? Oh, what an introduction. Tony. My gosh, Rick. Tony, you what have a wonderful introduction. Did my wife write that introduction for you? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think my son did. Tony, I got to start off with this real quick. And, and I know he might get embarrassed, but I'm going to tell you anyway. He is my son, Andrew, is one of your biggest fans that you oh my gosh. well beyond anything I could begin to describe to you. And he's extremely jealous that I'm the one talking to you today. So anyway, well. I wish he was in the studio so I could meet him well, and uh, thank him. There aren't, many, there aren't many kids his age or young people his age that even know Tony Orlando. I mean, uh, the truth of the matter is my audience, you know, starts at about 45 and um, goes all the way up to, uh, I don't know, 90. If I, if they, <laughs> they, they still come out. But you know what's so funny? I did a movie with Adam Sandler that brought a lot of young people to me, so... Uh, things have things have changed a little bit. So I I, I tell your son I'm honored and privileged and humbled. Oh, he that's, feels that way. I'm sure he's he'll be listening. I guarantee, and he'll be here on the sixth to meet you in person. Um, Tony, I want to go back real quick because a lot of folks do not have any idea of how iconic your career has been. Because it went back, starting in '59, um, you had a group called the Five Gents, and you were what 15 years old. I was. I had a group of two. We had never recorded, but we sure auditioned a lot. And then in 1960, I signed with a guy named Don Kirshner. Oh, yeah. Of course, uh, had Don Kirshner's rock concert. He was only 26 years old, and I was just turning uh, 15, turning 16 when I signed with him. And in that office, it's unbelievable, Rick, who was in that office Carol King was just starting out. She was 18 years old. Yes, sir. Her husband, Jerry Goffin, and Barry Mann and Cynthia Wilde, who wrote You've Lost That Love and Feeling on Broadway and on and on and on. Somewhere out there, they got the Academy Award for that. And uh, Bobby Darren was in that office. Uh, Neil Sedaka was in that office. Two guys named Tom and Jerry, who <laughs> never made it. Yeah. But they changed their name to Simon and Garfunkel, and that changed everything. So here I was entering this office with these incredibly talented people uh, at a very young age and had my first hit when I was 16 years old in 1961, a song that Carol King wrote and uh, arranged and uh, co-produced called Halfway to Paradise. And you know what's amazing, 
Tony, that's the Brill building, man. I have stood in front of that building and got cold chills knowing the music that came out of that building. And you were, well, you, know, you were one of the writers. I have to share something with you. Most people say the Brill building because it's convenient. But let me tell you, there's a difference. Okay. And in fact, on my radio show, uh, WABC in New York, I just finished an interview with Dion DiMucci. And of Dion the Belmont. Of course, of course. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he has a Broadway show going now called The Wanderer, which is his life story. But we were talking about the two buildings that, that in New York City that were adjacent on two different corners. One was the Brill Building, the famous one that you so rightly uh, acknowledged. And then there's one called 1650 Broadway, which is just didn't have a name. It just had the address. Well, the Brill Building housed most of what we would call Tin Pan Alley writers. The writers like from the 30s and the 40s. Uh, and then finally, they did get Lieber and Stoller, who were the fathers of rock and roll at yep. the Brill Building. Yep. And also Elvis was had his offices on the top floor. But most of the people that you remember, like James Taylor, Neil Diamond, Carol King, uh, myself, Bobby Darren, uh, uh, all of us came out of uh, Jackson Brown. Um, all of us came out of a building across the street from the Brill Building. It was addressed 1650 Broadway. So the next time you go, that's wild. I want, to, to, I want you to genuflect in front of 1650. <laughs> you better believe because it. It never gets it never gets its due because the Brill Building has all the charisma. But right across the street on 51st Street, between Sixth and Seventh Avenue in New York. Around the corner from the Winter Garden Broadway Theater is this building that never gets its due. That's pretty. And so I just thought, man, yeah, I know. Yeah. Everybody goes, real building, real building, real building. <laughs> You're killing me. That's absolutely amazing. And, and don't think I won't do that, Tony, because I'm the kind of guy that will do that. I will go there. And uh, in fact, good, I'll, I'll have to send you a picture. I'll make sure you get a picture of me standing there whenever I get up there. So, but but your career, um, you, after that, you were writing. And then the next thing, you're involved with Clive Davis, the great Clive Davis at yep, Columbia yep. Records. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and by the late 60s, you were promoted to what? Vice President of Columbia CBS Music. Yes, actually, I'll tell you what happened was the British Invasion came in and I was having a couple of hit records before that. Well, as I said, Carol's song Happened to Paradise and uh, Bless You, uh, which was a Barry Man and Cynthia Wilde song, which both of them were big hit records in the 1961-62. Then the Beatles came in and the Stones came in and no yep. one was getting any airplay yeah. we were all out of it so i decided that oh, i'm not going to work as a publisher or do something and clive hired me and uh, i worked my way up to a vice president's position and running the music uh publishing company for cbs for columbia records and i i had the great opportunity of signing baron manilow while i was there and producing his that, records and then that's astounding man yeah and then i re- represented another astounding writer uh james taylor wow uh was 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 my my uh, writer i uh, had the honor of uh representing during his t- time with sweet baby james album and fire and rain and all that stuff and then amazing. of course i had blood sweat and tears which you know uh, that was an amazing group uh, that came in from Canada. <laughs> to say the least. Uh, yeah, that we represented. So, it, you know, sometimes in winter was a song we had with them. And 
and of course, uh, Santana was another band wow. of ours. Wow. Um, so, you know, Eric Clapton and the Yardbirds, that was ours too. So I had a great education of sitting behind the desk and learning the music business part of, of my career, uh, which was a great asset for me when I did finally have success with Candida and the television show and Yellow Ribbon, et cetera. Okay, know? let's stop there for a second because, again, I, 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 you know what? I, I'm... I'm astounded. And this is, I really mean this, Tony. When I look at what your career has encompassed and how it affected the industry so dramatically, it's historical. I mean, you're looking at it and we're saying, gosh, Barry Manilow, the work you did with Clive Davis over uh, Don Kirshner, all of the greats. And you yeah. were you were not just some ancillary side note. You were a critical part of the history of music. And what my, my, my question I've been waiting to ask you is this. So with all that, you're writing, you're producing, you're, you're doing the executive thing. What led you to record Candida? Well, you know something, Rick, it's funny. Sometimes you think you're aiming for something and you think you're, you're sure where you're headed, but God has another plan for you. I get that, sir. It's all it's it's always that way. It's it, God is directing us all the time. Amen. And ha- and I didn't know it, but by working for Clive and working for that company, was I backed into having a hit record. And let me explain what I mean by that. Okay. Here I am working with all these different writers, and a friend of mine comes up to my office and he says, "Tony, I'm broke. <laughs> I've cut this record called Candida. Could you?" buy the record for me so I could pay my rent if you like it. Or could you get me to a record company that would be interested in buying it? So he plays me the song. And it had a lead singer on it, and it was the same record that you heard, but not me on it. And I said, oh, I love this song. I love." I said, I'll tell you what, my friend over at Bell Records, Larry Utah, was a singles-oriented label. They weren't albums. They were more Partridge Family, Fifth Dimension. I said, this is perfect for them. So I called him up at Bell Records and I said, Hank's coming over. I think he's got a hit for you. And they said, well, what does he want for it? I said, how much you want? He says, I need $3,000 advance. Wow. They can always get it back. I said, well, that's what he wants. He said, well, if we like it, we'll buy it since you're giving it the okay, Tony. So I send him over and I forget about it. And about a week later, Hank Beckers, who, by the way, is one of the tokens, you know, Lion Sleeps Tonight. Of course, Hank yeah. Tokens. Yep. And Hank comes back and he says, uh, Tony, they love the record. They love it. Wow. And they want to give me the $3,000, but they don't like the lead singer. <laughs> and I said, oh, well, go find someone to put their voice on. He said, Tony, I want you to do it. I said, Hank, I can't put my voice. I work for Clyde. <laughs> I, I work for Columbia Records. I can't be moonshining like this. Are you crazy? He goes, you got to do it for me. Look, this song is very reminiscent of the song that Carol King used to write. And you did all the demos for the Drifters, like Up on the Roof and all that stuff for her. Right? I said, yes. He said, I don't care. Please, just put your voice on it. I promise. I won't name it Tony Orlando. <laughs> I'll come up with a name. I said, Promise me that even if you come up with a name like Joe Schmo and the Nail Biters, you will not use my name on this record because I am not about to get fired. But I love you, Hank, and I'll go into the studio tonight. I got one hour. 
if you cut a record, it's yours. If you don't get it in the hour, find somebody else. So I go to the studio, and this is how we cut Candida. Tony Orlando and Dawn's first million seller. This is the truth. The studio had a booth that was up high. So I had to look up to the producer, Hank Medris, and talk to him from my microphone down below him. Okay. So I go, give me the first line. He goes, stars won't come out if they know that you're about. Okay, one more time. Stars won't come out if they know that you're about. Let me say, stars won't come out. Okay, play the intro, play the intro, and I'll start to sing it. And then punch me out for the next line. Okay, so punching out means they stop the tape. Yep. And then you can start again. Yes, sir. So I start. So here comes the intro. Da 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 da. I start. Stars won't come out if they know that you're about punch. What's the next line? <laughs> you gotta be Cause they couldn't me. match the globe. Cause they couldn't. Oh, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready. Now I hear myself in my ear doing the first line, and I catch up by doing the second line. We recorded that song. One line at a time that's crazy man is that crazy that is crazy (laughs) that is absolutely crazy so so the only part i knew was the chorus oh my candida that's the only part i knew but i didn't know the melody to the verses so it is wild i leave the studio i go okay you happy yes please don't tell people it's me i don't want to lose my job well, I didn't think the record was going to be a hit. Yeah. I mean, at that point in time, it was Led Zeppelin, Rolling Stones. I said, this record's not going to make it. So I go, he get his $3,000. I did something good. I go back to my office. About three months later, my secretary walks in, Cheryl Forestine, and she says to me, hey, you know that record, Candida, is pick hit of the week on the biggest radio station in America, on WLS in Chicago. And WABC in New York. Oh, my gosh. I said, said, what are you talking about? The the record you cut with Hank, Candida. I said, you're you're kidding me. What's the name of the artist? She goes, well, I know it's you, but he called it Dawn. (laughs) No Tony Orlando, just Dawn. I said, thank God. So I called Hank up. I said, why did you call it Dawn? He says, because the president of the company and the promotion man's daughters were named Dawn. And I figured I'd be in good light with them if I named the group Dawn. That's oh, that is priceless. That is priceless. Right? Yeah, so we ended up Dawn, then Not New Times comes along. And I said to him, Hank, please don't make... He said, Tony, Candida went to number one. I said, yes, and I can't do number two. Forget it. He said, Tony, please, just one more record. I promise, I promise you. The next record was not three times. It sold four million records. Four million copies. At, yep. that, at that point in time, I realized maybe God is telling me that I should go back to the dream I had when I was a kid to be a performer. Wow. And that's when I walked into Clive's office. <laughs> I'll never forget this, Rick. Wow. I walked into Clive's office and I said, Clive, I'm going to have to leave the company. He said, I know. I said, you know. He said, you're Dawn, right? <laughs> I said, wait a minute. You've known that I'm Dawn? He says, the worst kept secret in the music business, Tony. I said, he said, you go ahead and you follow your dream. And if it doesn't happen for you, you can always come home. I never forgot that with Clive. That 
is absolutely amazing story. And, and you know, yeah. and, and so then it, it was it right following that uh, when Ty Yellow Ribbon came out that you became Tony Orlando and Dawn? Yeah, no, actually when Ribbon came out, the label decided to put Dawn featuring Tony ah, Orlando. Like gotcha. Was, like it was the Supremes featuring Diana Ross. Right. So we get this offer to do the television show, a summer replacement show. Uh, Fred Silverman, who was the president of CBS. I remember the show well, Tony. Thank you. And it was fun four years to do that show, you know? It was a great, it was, it was it was, a great show. It was. It was a great show. And I look back on it now. I didn't realize then, but when I look back on it now, I realize that really the product was really well done. And that was from and 74 so, to 76. It on CBS, you know what? That was from we 74 had, uh, to 76. 37 million viewers every single Wednesday night. 37 million viewers that's, every Wednesday That's incredible. Night. That's amazing. Incredible. But that's when they called it Tony Orlando and Dawn. It was the CBS show that they called it Tony Orlando and Dawn. And as I was saying, that was from 74 to 76, right? No, that's what uh, Wikipedia says. It's actually 73 to 77. 73 to 77. Okay. Yeah, because yeah. I, I figured it had to be a year off there, but that was, um okay, that's amazing. So how long did you stick together as Tony Orlando and Dawn? Seven years we were together. And that's longer than most groups. Other yeah, than it is. Stones, Absolutely. But, but yeah, but seven years is a long time for groups to stay together. And we're still friends. I mean... Uh, the girls and I recently did a tour together, and Telma Hopkins of the group, I don't know if you realize this, Ricky, but she's gone on to be the most uh, hardest-working sitcom actress of all time. Wow. She went from our show to Roots, from Roots to Bosom Buddies with Tom Hanks, to Give Me a Break with Nell Carter, and then she was Aunt Rachel on Family Matters for 15 years, and then she went on to Half and Half for five years, and right now, she's on The Young and the Restless, and on the remake of the family matters for Netflix. That is okay. So you just segued me into something because here we are, Tony Orlando, the singer, the producer, the songwriter, the, the group leader, but you were also a great actor, man. I mean, you, you, and you, and, and, and I think about things like, um, you, you were on cheap. I love Chico and the man, by the way, I love that show. And yeah, in yeah. 70, was it 76 or so you were on that show? Um, right. but, you, but then you did some other things. You did some, uh, TV movies and some other, didn't right. you? And you also I did a movie called 300 miles for Stephanie, which, which, uh, got me a nomination for an Emmy. Yep. And then, I, and then, and then I did a, a film called, uh, it was the Rosemary Clooney story. I played her husband, Jose Ferrer in that. I dabbled in acting. I love to act. I, uh, of course did Broadway. I, I was Barnum, PT Barnum on uh, Broadway, which was a, Man, Tony Award-winning show yeah, and Smokey Joe's Cafe, but you know my time in Branson. Believe me when I tell you, when I came here in '93 and opened the Yellow Ribbon Theater, I remember saying to Pete Hershon of the Hershon family, "Yep, of course." Pete, I said, "Pete, I'd love to do a Christmas show here." He looked at me, says, "Tony." Silver Dollar City closes in October. There is no Christmas here. And that was I back said, in 93, right? Yeah. Right. I said, really? He goes, yeah. I said, well, let me, let me think about this. So I go over to Andy Williams, and I sit with Andy and the Osmonds. And I say, hey, you guys, why don't the three of us do a 
Christmas show. Even though there's no Christmas show season, maybe we can promote it and we can start a Christmas season. And so I go back to Pete and I said, Pete, uh, Andy and the Osmonds agreed to do the, uh, their Christmas shows. He says, I'll tell you what, if your Christmas shows are a hit, I will buy the Rockets Christmas show from Radio City and put it into the Grand, the, uh, Grand Palace. Yep. Well, we sold out every Christmas show in 93. And he comes to me and he goes, holy mackerel, I guess I'm buying that show. And sure enough, he kept his word and he brought in the Rockets. And because he did that, I said, hey, Pete, why don't we do this? Why don't I call Bob Hope and ask Bob Hope to come in and let's open the Christmas season on November 11th. And this way, we can start a Veterans Day uh, show a la Bob Hope and do it uh, from then on and have a veterans come in to free to see the show. And he can, said, you would do that? I said, sure, let's do that. So I got Bob in. We opened the Grand Palace. He pulled the lights to turn the Grand Palace lights on for Christmas season. And we announced our first veterans show November 11th at the Yellow Ribbon Theater. Wow. And the first year that we did it, which was in 93, the year before that, by the way, uh, we did 400 people came in for free that said they were veterans. I never asked for any ID or anything like that. When we finished that Christmas show, I mean, that veteran show, right. the following year, Ricky, we had to turn away 5,000 people because wow. the theater only sat 2,000 oh people. And we did our veteran show in Branson along with all of our great acts in Branson for the next 25 years. That's a, and, Tony, that's incredible, yeah. man. Yeah, yeah. And it became, Branson became the largest light the biggest beacon on behalf of veterans and still is. Oh, it is day. absolutely. And also the Christmas city for the United States. It definitely 100%. Definitely. And that I have to say, you have to say, you know, I, I was very much a part of starting that, but it was silver dollar city who picked up the, the, that flame and built it into a big forest fire. Let me tell you something. That's amazing. They are the ones that really pushed it. And they are the ones to be credited for how this town took fire when it came to veterans. And it's probably the greatest, most uh, moment in my career is what my relationship has become with veterans since Yellow Ribbon. And it has raised hundreds of millions of dollars on behalf of veterans since that day here in Branson with Bob Hope in 1994. Yeah, you're to be commended, Tony. You And I, and I got to tell you, you're dedicated. I've always believed that uh, those who are truly dedicated have a continuity in their lives that can be seen and documented. And that is you, man. And everything I've ever Thank heard, of, everything I've ever heard about you. That's why I'm, it's such an honor to talk with you today. And the fact that you're coming here to this iconic theater that is now yes. known. And Tony, you probably have heard. It's now the Mansion Theater for the Performing Arts, literally raising the bar in Branson. And, and of course, it would not be 
what it is if it were not folks like you and the fact that you're coming back here on November 6th for this very, very special performance. I mean, Tony, uh, I don't know what more I can say, man. I know that there's an excitement that's already brewing. And I Thank just, you. I can't wait for you to take that stage. And you know what this room is all about. I mean, we're, I mean, 3,000 seats, but an intimacy that I, I feel in very, very few venues around the world. Hey, I have a little information about that great theater. That you may not know about me, you may know, but knowing you, you probably already know. <laughs> Bring it on. Okay. That theater, when it was built, it was built for Wayne Newton. Right. To come. It was a Shenandoah theater at the time. And uh, the theater, theater seating, the stage, the walls where the sound cabinets go up on the walls, everything was a carbon copy, because Wayne wanted it to be that way, of the Las Vegas Hilton showroom. I so didn't when you know sit, that. When you sit in the Mansion Theater, you are sitting in the house that Elvis built. Wow. Because it's a complete copy wow. of the showroom in at the Las Vegas Hilton, that famous Hilton where Elvis worked all the time. That is a carbon copy, because the guy who came in to do that for Wayne it was the guy who designed that theater in Vegas. So there's a historical backlog that's really awesome to the Mansion Theater. So it's steeped in history. It's steeped in show business history. And it's no wonder that Gene and Larry Wilhite have changed it to a performing arts center, which is where it the status where it belongs. But Amen. that's a little background to that theater that most people in Branson don't even know. And I don't even know, maybe Larry knows this. I don't know. I've never talked to him about it. But that's what that theater was, a carbon copy. The height of the ceiling from the stage to the dimensions of where the people sit. Well, the balcony. I've All got of that Go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, here's the thing that, that and you, and you made a very, very, very important statement. that's near and dear to my heart is that the honoring position of uh, Larry Wilhite and Gene Bicknell, the fact that they literally have been more than caretakers. They literally have honored this theater. And you can't say that about a lot of venues, Tony. You know that. All the shows right. you've done, some of them are just four walls. But this place has a heart and soul. And to me, that means everything. Well, you know what? You, no one could describe it better than you just did, Rick. That's the kind of level of respect that that theater should have in Branson. And I commend and compliment you for saying it on your podcast and letting people of Branson know the history of this incredible theater that still stands as a, a place of entertainment that is really on uncomparable anywhere in the world. And I thank Larry Wilhite for giving me the opportunity to always come back and perform for the city that I love and I still live in. I still uh, raise my, I raised my daughter here. Yeah. Uh, this town embraced me like I was one of them from the moment I came to Branson wow. and I continue to have the ultimate respect for that theater and for all who work there, and for you, Rick, thank you for having me on your show. Tony, I can't thank you enough. Hey, before you go, I know you got to run, but real quick, so any teasers letting us know what we can expect when you arrive here on November 6th? You, I can tell you this. 
that you will uh, get uh, 150% of me and my band that I've been with for 20 I know years that. Now. I know that, yeah. sir. <laughs> and, and, and you will have a sense of all that's happened to my career here in Branson and in my career as a performer. But I also want very much to, again, in that Veterans Week, give a special thanks to those men and women yes, sir. who serve and put their lives on the line for us day in and day out. Not only our military, but our police force and fire people. Yes, firemen. That's what I love about this town is that they have never forgotten its roots in America. And that's what's going to be coming to that theater. That sense of Americana off that stage I and how grateful we are I, to live in this great country. I will be so honored to shake your hand, sir. And I cannot wait until you arrive November 6th right here at the Mansion Theater for the Performing Arts. Tony Orlando, thank you for being with us. And we wish you the best. Good health, good strength. And uh, we will be standing by and waiting for your arrival. And for those folks that are listening, don't forget, you can check everything out at themansiontheater.com. That's the Mansion Theater. T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot com for all of the show productions, everything that's coming, including Disney, the Simon and Garfunkel story, and all of our big productions and new productions uh, coming every single few uh, every few weeks. You'll be hearing more and more. And of course, get your tickets for Tony Orlando, November 6th. Tony, thank you again, my friend. Thank you, and God bless you, and continue. You do a great show. Keep it up, Rick. Thank you, sir. That means a lot. Have a wonderful, wonderful day. And we'll see you next time on Mansion Magic. Thank you. Bye-bye, buddy.